Masechet Kedushin Daf Lamed Chet. We saw a machloket about whether Hadash applies everywhere in the world or only in Israel. In the Mishnah, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, that he is Rabbi Akiva's teacher, Rabbi Akiva is the third generation. Tana, Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, is the second generation. Tana, that's important to keep clear because we're going to see other names soon. So Rabbi Eliezer says that Hadash applies everywhere in the world, and we explained his reasoning is uh, that the word Bechol Moshe Votechem means everywhere in the world. As opposed to Tanakama that says Moshe Votechem means when you settle in the land of Israel there and there and then and only there and then uh, do uh, does the law of Hadash and related laws apply. So now we're going to analyze this further. So we understand it makes sense according to the one who says means any place, that's Rabbi Eliezer's opinion. Then uh, we understand the Pasuk that says when B'nai Sel came into the land of Israel during the time of Yahushua. So we're going to see in a few minutes. They entered, in, the Pasuk says, they entered into the land of Israel on the 10th of Nisan. And then uh, they ate from the produce of the land, everything that was growing there, growing there, only after Pesach, only on the 16th. In other words, they did not eat from the produce of the land from the 10th until the 16th. Why? So right after that they did, before that they did not eat. Why not? Because it was Hadash, uh, and it was a great grain that grew before the Korban HaOmed, which is on the 16th, one is prohibited to eat. So you see that they kept the law of Hadash even before they came and settled the land of Israel. So it takes more than a few days to settle in. You have to conquer and settle the land, according to the other opinion. So here it makes sense because the, the law of Hadash applies everywhere in all time. They would have done it in the desert. It's applicable outside, outside Israel. So certainly those six days that they're in Israel, it applies. That's why they waited till the 16th. First, they brought Korban Omer on the 16th. They had the Mishkan. They brought Korban Omer, And then they ate from the produce of the land. That's good. But according to the other opinion, it says Moshe means after you conquer and settle the land, so they didn't conquer and settle the land, let them eat right away on the 10th of, of Nisan, 11th of Nisan, as soon as they're in the land, they could start eating the produce. It's permitted because the law of Hadash does not yet apply. Good question. And the answer is, No, you're right, they could have eaten it, but they didn't need it because they already had the man that they had stored up. And so while it would be permitted to eat the produce, they just they didn't need to eat it yet, right? They're still... Uh, they just got there. They're setting up tents. You know, they have to go and you know, buy grain. <clears throat> Nothing. They didn't grow anything yet. So they're going to go. Eventually, they'll buy grain from the people that are there, and they'll start uh, reaping and all that. But they just didn't get a chance to do it, and they didn't need it. But really, it would have. You're right. It would have been allowed. So now we have to prove that that the man lasted them that long. Pasuk in Shemot that is done and it's a bit confusing because it says that B'nai Sel ate the man for 40 years until they got to settled land. That sounds like until they were within the land and settled, they uh, were still eating man. 
Um, but then the rest of the Pasuk says, They ate it until they got to the edge of the border of Erez Kenan, meaning that they stopped at the edge, and once they got in, they were no longer eating it. So we have a contradiction. You can't be that they only stopped eating man uh, that when they ent- when they were in the land, because it says uh, the rest of the pasuk that they ate it until they were at the border. You have and you can't take the border one literally only because because it says that they were eating it until they settled in the land. So which one is it? So we can reconcile both parts of the Pasuk by explaining that on the 7th of Adar, that's the day that Moshe died. On that day, the man also stopped uh, coming down. Um, But they had some stored up. Even though you're not allowed to store up man when the wall is falling. Okay, but after it finished, then they were then they were allowed. They stored up some man, and they were eating that man that was in their uh, in their uh, 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 bags until the 16th of Nisan. So in other words, it lasted them through the rest of Adad, right, from the seventh until the end, and the first 16 days of Nisan. So that reconciles both halves of the pasuk. The man stopped when they were at the border of, of, of uh, before they entered Erez Canaan. It's true, the man did stop there. So when it says until the border, yes, the man stopped there. But they continued eating it even until they got into the land and even a few days while they were in the land. So that explains the other half of the Pasuk that they were eating it with, until they settled into the land. Good. So that's that. <laughs> that explains um, why they just didn't need to eat um, the produce of the land, even though technically they could have eaten it before, even before the Omer, because the law of Hadash did not yet come into application. All right, now that we mentioned uh, this eating of the man, we're going to mention another beraita about it. Tanya idach ubnei yisrael aluchot haman arba'im shana. V'chir ba'im shana achilu v'halo arba'im shana chasir shilushim yom achilu. The Pasuk in Shemot says that b'nei yisrael ate man 40 years. Now, if we take 40 years literally, it has to be exactly 40 years. Well, it's not true. Was it 40 years? Because it was actually 40 years less 30 days um, uh, that they ate. How so? They left Egypt on the 15th, 15th of Nisan. And then the man started falling on the 15th of Iyar, 16th, 16th of Nisan. And the man started falling on the 16th of Iyar, one month later. So, uh, and then they kept eating the man, as we just saw, until the 16th of Nisan, 40 years later. So if uh, you see that it's 40 years minus a month, the first month that they first left Egypt, that they were not eating man. Uh, so Hakama Hakama says 40 years, if it's actually less than 40 years, you could answer, maybe just rounding up. But we have a better answer. Rather, the cakes, the bread that they took out of Mitzrayim, it tasted like man. And so even though technically it didn't fall from the ground, it was already introduction. It was like man. And so that's why you could say it was a full 40 years. Good. Another Braita about this chronology. Tanya Idach. Famous Midrash that Moshe died and was born on the same date on the 7th of Adar. Doesn't say so in the Torah. So how do we derive this? So Pasuk uh, Adem Devarim says there, right, at the border before they entered 
And to Israel, Moshe died. And also, right there in Advot Moab, before they entered, they uh, mourned over, cried over him for 30 days. So there we go. There's definitely 30 days there. And the beginning of Yeshua says, okay, I, you know, behold, Moshe died, and right after this, Hashem tells Yeshua, right, now that he died, go and cross the Jordan. Point being that there was no time lapse in between. And Peshat, you could say maybe there was time lapse, they had to get things ready, but from the fact that it says, it says all these things back to back, now that Moshe died, now go, so not the day that Moshe died, they cried for him 30 days, so they weren't going to travel, it would be disrespectful. But now that 30 days passed, immediately they entered into the land. Now, they didn't actually go in that, that, that day that, that um, uh, Hashem commanded Yahshua to go in uh, because they had to prepare the camp and command the people and said, prepare for three days because you're going to enter in, into the land. So they did prepare all, all, everything that they needed, the food, the food for their journey, and they prepared for three days. So we have here 30 days that they mourned over him and three days that they prepared for their journey. And we know that they entered, they crossed over the Jordan on the 10th of Nisan. So if you take the 10th of Nisan, subtract 33 days, right? 30 days that they mourned, three days that they prepared. What do you get? The 7th of Nisan. So it's actually some simple math and you can figure out that Moshe died on the 7th of Nisan, assuming that there was no other things that happened in between. How do you know Moshe also was born on the 7th of Adar? Also doesn't say that in the beginning of Shemot. Because in Moshe's speech, all the way at the end of his life, he says, I am 120 years old today, and I can no longer bring you out in, uh, uh, to war and bring you, uh, take you back in. Right? I'm too old. I cannot lead you anymore. And he points to Yeshua. Now, why do you have to say I'm 120 years old, years old today? You could have said, I'm 120 years old. And then we know he's 120 years old. So that teaches us that that was his birthday. Today, I turned 120. And this coincides with the teaching that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, sits and completes the years of the righteous from day to day, month to month. In other words, someone is righteous, they get to have a f- complete life. And that means full years that they will uh, f- live out the entire year um, uh, uh, on which they are destined to die. And so that's Moshe's birthday is also his death date. And that's how we learn uh, Moshe's birthday. Good. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Omer, Shalosh mitzvot nistavu yisrael b'nechnisatan la'aris, v'noagot ben ba'aris ben b'chosa la'aris. This B'nai teaches that according to the B. Shimon ben Yochai, that's the Akiva's student. He's a fourth generation, a Tana. And he says there are three mitzvot that were commanded uh, to Israel when they entered the land. And But even though they were commanded as they enter into the land, nevertheless, they apply both in Israel and outside of Israel. In other words, these are agricultural laws but they do apply everywhere. Um, they are, as we're going to see, Hadash, Kilayim, and Orla. 
basically Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai agrees with Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol in our uh, Mishnah, according to the interpretation that he's lechumra, that all these three apply everywhere. Um, but was, we're going to see it's actually for a different uh, reason. The source is a bit different, but it's the it's the same halacha. <laughs> he learns it from a kavachomer mahadash and isuro isur olam. Now regarding chadash, it says explicitly b'moshevotechem. And so therefore that means that Hadash applies everywhere. And then we learn the other two from Makava Chomer. Hadash is relatively lenient because it's not prohibited forever. Once the 16th comes, the 16th at night, nowadays we don't have Korban HaOmer. Nevertheless, we could eat, uh, we could eat Yashan. Uh, because once once the day of the 16th is over, so then all the new grain becomes permitted, the Hadash becomes Yashan. So you see, it's not prohibited forever. Second, any suro isur hana'a, Hadash is not prohibited by hana'a. If you take new, have new grain and you want to feed it to an animal or buy and sell it, that's fine. You just can't eat it. Vyeshetel isuro. And also, there's a way to permit it. Even before the end of the day of the 16th, when, if you have a Beta Mikdash or Mishkan, then you can bring Korban Ahmed. And if you bring it at 11 a.m., then all the new grain is permitted from that time. So it's like something you can actively do to make it permitted even earlier. And yet, even though this is relatively uh, lenient, Noheg Ben Baras Ben it does apply in the land and outside the land of Israel, all the more so, Kilayim, Shi Suran Isorolam, Bi Suran Isorana Aven, Heter the Isuran, and Odin Shin Hagu Ben Baaris Ben Behosalaris, Kilayim, planting together uh, grapes and wheat, other diverse diverse kinds, where that is prohibited forever. If you grow that, if you grow that, then, then that produce is prohibited forever. You can't get any benefit from it, and there's nothing that you can do to make it permitted, right? So that's the two things there's no there's no time that you will wait that will automatically become permitted and there's also nothing that you can do to make it permitted so since this is more stringent all the more so it should apply in all places what in the also we can do use for orla even though we can only do it for two of these things. Well, number one, Orla is Isur Hana'ah, can't be- get benefit from it. So in that way, it's more stringent than Hadash. And also Orla, while things that grow already in the first three years, those will be prohibited forever. So that's that's true. That's a Isur Olam. However, things that grow from the third year and on, Revai, uh, you have to give to the Kohen, and after that is permitted. So, um, whereas Kilayim, it doesn't matter. There's years and years of growth. However long it grows, it's going to be prohibited forever. But Ola is, uh, is, is uh, permitted after three years. So, uh, therefore, we, the Kava Chomed works only on two out of the three grounds, but still, that's enough. And so that's how we learn that all these three um, are prohibited. So that's uh, Rabbi Shimon ben, ben uh, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai has the same law as Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah. Um, uh, even though he's learning a kavachomet in a different way than Rabbi Eliezer did. Fine. Now Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai. So he's now a fifth generation Tana. 
It's so, uh, so also to be Azar, El Azar. The one in Amishnah was to be Eli- Eliezer. The one in Amishnah was the second generation. This one is a fifth generation. So the different names and different generations. Just don't want you to be confused because this it'll be El Azad is going to disagree with his father. Uh, it'll be Shimon Bar Yochai, and it'll be El Azad is going to say a completely different halacha as follows: Kol Kodim Ben Ben any misvah that Israel was commanded to do before they got into the land that is, will apply in the land and outside the land. Basically, anything that's not an agricultural law that applies to one's body, personal laws like tefillin, Shabbat, all those were what they were um, commanded and had to be done before the, they got into the land. So therefore, they apply everywhere. However, anything that was uh, that was commanded. Only once they got into the land, agricultural related laws, they only apply in the land of Israel. Except for two laws, Hashmatat Kesafim, on the seventh year, at the end of the seventh year, loans are canceled. And also, um, the emancipation of slaves in the Yovel, right? Heved Ivri goes free and even though these were commanded after they got into the land of israel so therefore you might think that they only apply in the land of israel no but this is true everywhere you live no matter where you live if you live in america and you give a loan shemitah comes the loan is canceled and if there were slaves today the slaves would ever dvd no matter where you are they would go free Okay, so this is it'll be Elazad, the son of it'll be Shimon. But basically, see in the first part of it, he's saying that any law that that applies only in the land, only once once you come into the land of Israel, applies only in the land of Israel. So that would mean that Hadash, Kilayim, Orla apply only in the land of Israel, according to him. Good. Now we ask, Hashmatat Kesafim, Wait a second. Why are you telling me that canceling of loans? applies everywhere and this is an exception right but but isn't this a a personal obligation this doesn't have to do with things that grow in the land so I would, this is we should be obvious that this applies both in the land of Israel and not in the land uh, and and outside the land of Israel this should be included under that should be included rather in the first clause anything that was commanded before they got into the land because not dependent on the land uh, uh, applies everywhere in other words obvious that it should apply everywhere because it's a personal obligation. It's not about things that grow. Why do you have to tell me this? No, we had to say it because of the following beraita, where the Biudanasi says that according to the Pasuk, this is the matter regarding Shemitah, and then it says Shamot, you should uh, erase. Now, this is a double language. Why does it have this double language? Oh, because we're talking about two Shemitot. One is you have to let the land rest, not work the land. The other one is that uh, loans get canceled, and so they linked to each other. 
at a time when there is uh, the, when the law of letting the land rest applies, then canceling loans also applies. When the uh, the law of releasing the land does not apply, so then the law of releasing loans also does not apply. Now, since in this derasha, these two laws, the one with the land and the one with the loans, are linked to each other in terms of time, right? When one applies, the other applies. When one doesn't, the other doesn't. According to some, Shemitah nowadays in Israel is only Dirabanan. And so then that would mean, right, not Doraita. So that would mean that loans also would not be Doraita. So since over here they're linked in regarding time, I might have thought that they're also linked regarding space. And uh, that the... Um, uh, uh, and and therefore the canceling of loans would apply only in Israel. So that's why uh, Rabbi Shimon, uh, Rabbi, Sh Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, has to cut out of his way and say, "Not so. The law of canceling loans applies everywhere." Then we ask, well, if you do have this back-to-back uh, hekesh. Why don't you learn that they also um, uh, are correlated in terms of space? That in a place where you um, uh, don't work the land, also loans will be canceled. And in a place where you don't have Shemitah of the land, then loans are not canceled. And then really, um, loans would also only apply in the land of Israel. Because uh, uh, the has been of Hashem has been proclaimed. So this is an extra, this is an inclusive term. And that means everywhere, even outside the land of Israel. And that is the, that's uh, the Chidush uh, Rabbi Elazar wanted to teach us. Now, the other item he mentioned that's an exception is Shiloh Avadim Chobat Hagufi. He said that Shiloh Avadim, sending away slaves, applies everywhere. But that's also a personal obligation, not related to the land. People don't grow out of the land. Well, this is talking about in the Yovel when Everybody goes free, and it says you'll declare a jubilee in the land, or freedom, freedom in the land. So I might have thought only in the land this applies, but if someone owns an evidivity outside the land, maybe then it does not apply. Therefore, the added words yovel, it is a, it is a yovel. That's an inclusive term that says in all places, and that's what he wanted. That's what Abiel Azar wanted to teach us. Well, if you're going to include everywhere. Then why does the Torah say it's a release only in the land? That's to limit in terms of time, not in terms of space. Um, that when there is a time when uh, then when the Yovel law applies in Israel, then uh, the law of let, setting, getting, letting slaves go free applies also, and it applies everywhere. But if a time when Yovel does not apply in the land of Israel, like nowadays when uh, we don't have a Sanhedrin to apply it, and um, uh, the majority of Jews are not yet in the land of Israel, although perhaps they already are, we have to do another count soon. Um, so then the laws of freeing slaves does not apply anywhere. Good. So that's the two uh, laws, the two exceptions of Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon.
Next, Tenanatam Hehadasha Sumina Torah Bechol Makom or La Halacha Vakilami Divasofrim. This is a Mishnah in Masechet Or La that new grain is prohibited from the Torah that everybody knows because that's in, this is mentioned in the Torah. The Chidush here is that it's prohibited in all places. Um, the famously, the Chatam Sofer made a play on words over here. It says Chadash, any, anything new, any innovation. Uh, is prohibited from the Torah. He said this when he was um, uh, polemicizing against reform. This is they were changing things. So he says not everything new is prohibited. Okay, but this is the original context. It's a good play on words, and this, the point is that Chadash applies everywhere, even outside the land of Israel. Um, okay, that's the most stringent one. Orla, however, is a halacha. We'll see what halacha means, but it's somewhere in between, less less than a full deoraita. Um, apply in outside land in Israel, of course, it applies. Midoraita, um, outside land of Israel, is only a halacha. Kilayim applies outside outside land of Israel, only midivre sofrim. So this Mishnah you see is an in between, not quite as uh, much as Rabbi Eliezer. Back in our Mishnah, that said all three are applicable, um, but but not uh, as uh, lenient as Rabbi Elazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, as that we just saw. But rather Hadash Torah, the others less. Now, what does this mean? My halacha, Amar Medina. So Rav Yuda, the student of Shemuel, living in Babel, says it means it's a local halacha. Halacha means that it's certain certain places where Jews settled, they practiced Orla, but it's not across the board anywhere you are. It's not a Deoraita. Um, whereas Ula Amar Rabbi Yochanan halacha Sinai. Ula, the student of Rabbi Yochanan living in Eretz Yisrael, explained that the Mishnah, when the Mishnah says halacha, means halacha l'Moshe Sinai. That would be that would apply everywhere and is more authoritative, right? This is um, sometimes it's like the same as a Doraita. Here we're going to see it's lower than a Doraita. Uh, but more than a derabanan. So whereas according to Shemuel, it's kind of like a minhag. There's certain places that took us upon themselves as a kind of a deoraita, sorry, derabanan, derabanan slash minhag. Um, so it's more lenient. Um, although it's going to be something, you know, something more than a divre sofrim, right? Divre sofrim is certainly derabanan. Even within derabanan, divre sofrim is usually means something more, <coughs> more stringent than just derabanan. Okay, so we have to sort all this out. But the point is that kilayim is the most lenient. Orla is medium. Within that medium, Rabbi Yochanan is going to say it's higher, closer to deoraita. Shemuel said, no, it's lower down, closer to derabanan. And Hadash is Doraita totally everywhere. Now, from Israel tells Rav Yehuda, says it makes sense according to me. I say that the word halacha in this Mishnah means halacha Sinai, which is very serious. And that's why there is a difference between cases of safek regarding orla, where we're going to be machmir, and cases of safek regarding kilayim, where you could be mekel. Because that's the rule. Safek de rabanan lekula. Safek de oraita, you have to be more machmir. And so halacha is going to be more machmir in orla than in kilayim. And here's where the Mishnah, where we see that in fact there is a difference between the two categories of orla and kilayim. Ditnan. Safek orla ba'aris asur besuria mutar bechus alaris yoded velokech bedvad shelo yirenu loket. If you have something that you're not sure if it's orla or not, 
In other words, you go to the grocery store and you see some fruit there, but you don't know if it came from a tree that was within his first three years or later. So you're not sure. If you're in the land of Israel, it's prohibited because that's midoraita in Israel. So any safek doraita lechumra. In Israel, you have to go make sure. You need a certificate, right, that someone was making sure or you ask the farmer and uh, and make sure that the tree is more than three years old. In Surya, is permitted. This means permitted bidi avad. Um, if it was already uh, <coughs> uh, t- t- picked, Surya is basically not part of um, Israel, but it was conquered by David, so it has a somewhat in-between status that you, if you think if it's a permitted in Syria, you may come to permit it also in the land of Israel. Therefore, in Syria, you can't go and ask of, and just buy it. Uh, ask you can't go and tell a farmer, hey, can you pick me? Uh, can you pick me fruit from your tree? That's Orla. But if you already got it and you're not sure where it came from, then it's permitted. So the avad, you can go and take it. However, bechutz uh, that's that has a more lenient status, more lenient than mutad. You can go yored belokech. You can go to the non-Jewish owner of this of this tree and buy it from him. As long as you don't see him actually taking from an orla tree. Um, so he has a, you know, he has a, a farm out in the back, and he has a, his house. So you go to his house, and you say, "Listen, I want to buy some fruit." He says, "Okay, I'll be back in a few minutes." Don't look out the window. Don't watch him take it. If you actually see him take it from trees that are within their first three years, well, then that's not good because then you know for sure that uh, it's uh, prohibited, and it does apply um uh, uh everywhere at some level right this is uh we're talking about orla here so this is uh ula says this makes sense according to me this is a halakha meaning halakha so you shouldn't you can't if you know it's no good then you can't have it but as long as you introduce a safek and you can even ask him to make a safek that's the point here he's going out to the back and you don't know i don't know if he's taking from these trees or those trees or what the status of the trees is um so right i i, I don't want don't ask don't tell and then you can buy it from him whereas in syria you can't do that only if he already went and picked it and it's here so he has it in his in his store then you can get it. Okay, that is all the law regarding Orla and the Mishnah. And that's a little bit more stringent than Kilayim. Vilugabe Kilayim Tenan, Keremanatua Yarak, Vyaraknim Karhutsalo, Baaris Asur, Besuria Mutar, Behusalaris Yored Velochet, Ubaar Chelo Yilkot, Be Yad. Mishnah says that if you have a vineyard and it's uh, with vegetables planted in it, so that's um, uh, that's uh, Kilayim. And you have the vegetables that are being sold separately from the vineyard. So now we don't know if they came from this, from this vineyard, or they came from another place that it was grown separately and it's permitted. So in the land of Israel, it's Asur. So it's a Zafek. This is certainly Doraita in the land of Israel. So it's no good. And in Surya, it's permitted, meaning if he already has it in his store, and I don't know where it came from, so then it's permitted because it's the Rabbanan. Zafek Rabbanan Lekula. Although this is already done for you. So in Syria, only if it's already done, then it's okay. And outside the land of Israel, where we're not going to mistake that for the land of Israel, so Syria is a little bit more stringent that only but outside the land of Israel, you can go to the non-Jew and gather it, as long as you don't do it with your own hand. In other words, the Jews shouldn't go and pick out the vegetables from the kilayim uh, patch, uh, but he can have the non-Jew do it. 
even though he sees him and knows he's doing it um, and knows it comes from here, still, as long as you're not doing it and the other non-Jews doing it, then you can go and buy it. So you see that Kilayim is more lenient than Orla, right? In Kilayim, you can uh, have the, you can see, watch the non-Jew uh, picking from the Kilayim, and you can still have it. Whereas regarding Orla, you're not allowed to watch. You have to, you can create a sefek. You know, you go and take it. Don't tell me where you got it from. Um, you can create a sefek. So there's a difference between them, and that makes sense according to Ola because he says that Ola is a halacham shemisinai, more stringent than Kilayim, which is only midivres sofrim. So Ola says, you see, I can explain this mishnah just fine. According to you, Rav Yehuda, in the name of Shemuel, where you say that halacha means that it's a local practice. So the local practice, that's uh, that's a drabanan. So then the laws should be the same. Either both of the laws of the laws in both Mishnayot of Orla and Kilayim should say regarding both of them that you can go and buy it, but you can't watch the non-Jew take it, right? So both of them should be like Orla, or both of them should be, you can go and gather it. You just can't do it with your hand, but you can be with him while he's gathering it. So both it should be consistent. Whichever one you want to pick is fine. And so our answer is Indeed, Shemuel told Rav Anan that the Mishnah should read one of these, one of the other. Right? You have to make both Mishnayot that Yored Velokech, you can go and buy it as long as you don't watch and pick it, or read both Mishnayot as saying you can even go and gather it with them as long as you don't do it with your hand, and he does it. In fact, both laws are the same. So yes, that is his version of the Mishnah. And more bere de Rabbana matne le lekula, zevezeyored le loket, but shelo yilkot beyad. Shemuel said, pick one or the other, right? And more, the son of Rabbana, had the version of, that's more lenient in both of them, that in both Kilayim and Orla, the the Jew that's going to buy from the non-Jew can go with him and gather it and watch him gather it as long as the Jew doesn't physically himself go and take it it's it's permitted because outside the land of Israel it is the Ola and Kilaim is Midrabanan. Uh, what you see is that the Gemara is not conclusive regarding Hadash um, is that the Oraita or the Rabbanan uh, Rambam uh, decides the Halakha the Halakha Lamaasenshu Chanuch follows is also that Hadash um, uh, outside the land of Israel is prohibited mid the Oraita, uh, which is why Sefaradim generally are more Machmir regarding uh, to make sure they have Yashan flour um, uh, everywhere outside the land of Israel, and Ashkenazim are less stringent and uh, say, well, perhaps one of the reasons one, one can be lenient is that uh, if you follow the view that it's Midrabanan outside the land of Israel, if it's Rabbanan, then you say, Sefek, as look, if I go to the store and I buy something, I don't know, I don't know where it came from, I don't know if this was picked before the 16th of Nisan, of Tagrut, before the 16th of Nisan, or afterwards, and therefore, as long as it's a Sefek, one can be lenient, right? But this makes a big difference whether one uh, is careful to have only Yashan flour outside of Israel, outside the land of Israel or not will depend on whether one holds that Hadash is, is prohibited mid-Oraita or mid-Rabbanan outside the land of Israel. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.